A very good Monday morning to you. This is Timothy Putnam on Outside the Walls. Here on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Well, I hope you're all prepared. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming. It's right around the corner. It's this week. Um, or you, maybe you've got family coming in. Maybe you are going out of town. Uh, whatever the case is, I'm glad that you started out your week here listening to this show. I hope to make it worth your while. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, it's Thanksgiving, so that's really going to be kind of our focus. We're going to focus on what it means to give thanks. Uh, and also, uh, I want to talk to you about the first Thanksgiving, and it's not the one that you think. Uh, then I want to talk to you uh, about what it means to be content and how contentment in our souls will produce good fruit. Uh, but first, before we get everything started, I'd like to just open up again in prayer. One of my favorite prayers, you'll probably hear it most times we start off the show. Uh, it's a prayer to the Holy Spirit asking for wisdom. So let's pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, before I came onto the air here, I was, I was just thinking uh, about television. I know that that's probably odd to think about television on a radio show, but I was. Uh, I was thinking about television and specifically television when I was growing up because I was at the tail end of not having a remote control. I'm sure that some families had remote controls, but we were not that cool. We had a television that was the size of the dining room table right? It looked like a giant piece of furniture. And we were after the knobs. There were no knobs to turn, but we had the buttons that you had to press. And we, we may have had four or five stations. We had the three networks and we had uh, the local PBS station. And I think that there was also a college station that was run by the, the uh, local college. And so I was thinking about the, the traditional thing that parents tell their children, you know, well, when I was a kid, you know, I had it rough. I had to get up off of my chair and cross the whole room in order to find one of five shows that were possible to watch at that time. And if I wanted to watch a show, I had to wait for it. If it was early in the morning, I had to get up and watch it. If it was late at night, I had to stay up. That's how hard I had it. Uh, and the reason that I was thinking about, you know, that traditional uh, parents have it harder than the kids is because here we are. We are one week into having high quality, good Catholic radio here in South Tulsa in Broken Arrow. And I, I just was laughing to myself at the thought of telling my children as we got into the car, you don't know how lucky you have it. It hasn't that been that long since if you wanted to listen to good Catholic radio, you had to go onto the internet 
and stream a show after it had been recorded or listen to some other station live over the internet hundreds of miles away. But now we have radio. Right here, you can sit in the car and turn it on and look how convenient it is. And it's just really telling uh, how far we've come as a society when the internet is inconvenient. But here it is. We have something that is much, much more convenient for you than trying to find a good show and looking it up and finding the, uh, the, the way to get it onto your, your car radio. And this is just so much easier. You don't have to download podcasts. Here we are, ready to start your morning. As we get started, first off, I'd just like to thank you for putting up with that whole little last segment there. Uh, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Now, of course, I am so thankful to be here on the radio. I'm thankful that you've tuned in to join it, but I want to talk about what it means to be thankful. And we're going to start off talking about the very, very first Thanksgiving. So in looking around Facebook this week, I found a specific article that I want to spend some time looking at. Uh, it's from a Facebook friend of mine and a real-life acquaintance of mine, Dr. Taylor Marshall. Uh, Dr. Marshall was a, an Anglican priest down in the Diocese of Fort Worth, the Anglican Diocese of Fort Worth, and he and his whole family converted to Catholicism. Now, there's plenty of Anglicans who, when they come into the church, they seek to be uh, Catholic priests, and we have an ordinariate that that is part of that, and then there are also individual exceptions for some priests, but he decided to be a layperson. Since then, he's been very busy. He's an author. He's also the founder of the new St. Thomas Institute, which is an organization that helps lay Catholics further their education without the costs that are generally associated with a college degree. Uh, but he has this blog post called The Six Interesting Catholic Thanksgiving Facts That You Should Know. And I'm just going to read the whole thing to you here. Uh, and this is something that I would love for you to comment on on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. He says, when you're sitting down for Thanksgiving for that wonderful feast, here are the six interesting Catholic Thanksgiving facts that you can share with your family. Print them out and read them aloud over some pumpkin pie. The history books will tell you that the first Thanksgiving was celebrated by Protestant pilgrims of Massachusetts in 1621. Not so. There was the Catholic Thanksgiving of 1565 in Florida and another Catholic Thanksgiving in 1589 in Texas. The first American Thanksgiving was actually celebrated on September 8th, the Feast of the Birth of the Blessed Virgin, in 1565 in St. Augustine, Florida. The Native Americans and Spanish settlers held a feast and the Holy Mass was offered. This was 56 years before the Puritan pilgrims of Massachusetts. Don Pedro Menendez came ashore amid the sounding of trumpets, artillery salutes, and the firing of cannons to claim the land for King Philip II and Spain. The ship chaplain, Father Francisco Lopez de Mendoza Grajales, chanted the Te Deum and presented a crucifix that Menendez ceremoniously kissed. Then 500 soldiers and 200 sailors and 100 families and artisans, along with the Tamukyuan Indians, celebrated the holy sacrifice of the Mass in gratitude to God. Fact number two. The second American Thanksgiving happened on April 30, 1598, when Spanish explorer Don Juan de Oñate requested the friars to say a Mass of Thanksgiving, after which he formally proclaimed La Toma, claiming the land north of the Rio Grande for the King of Spain. 
the men fe- feasted on duck, goose, and fish from the river. The actors among them dressed and presented a play. All this took place 23 years before the pilgrims set sail from England on the Mayflower. Fact number three. The Puritan pilgrims were violently anti-Catholic. They left England because they thought the Church of England was too Catholic. These Puritans were strict Calvinists. The pilgrims also opposed celebrating Christmas, dancing, musical instruments in church, and even hymns as papistical. Fact number four. Squanto, the beloved hero of Thanksgiving at Plymouth Rock, was a Catholic. Squanto had been enslaved by the English, but he was freed by Spanish Franciscans. Squanto thus received baptism and became a Catholic. So it was a baptized Catholic Native Americans who orchestrated what became known as Thanksgiving. Fact number five. While Thanksgiving may celebrate the Calvinist separatists who fled England, Catholics might remember that the same unjust laws that granted the crown of martyrdom to St. Thomas More, St. John Fisher, St. Edmund Campion, and many others are the same injustices that led the pilgrims to Plymouth. Fact number six. Let everyone remember that Thanksgiving, in Greek, is Eucharista. Thus, the body and blood of Christ is the true Thanksgiving meal. So this Thanksgiving, don't forget to raise your glass and recite the wonderful limerick of Hilaire Belloc. Wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there's always laughter and good red wine. At least, I've always found it so. Benedicamus Domino. What a great reminder of our history from Dr. Taylor Marshall. That blog again is taylormarshall.com. And wherever we find history, we find the beginning of tradition. So I'm curious, what are your family traditions during the holidays, during Thanksgiving and Christmas and and, uh, throughout the season of Advent? Uh, So this is the time where you get to interact with me. Remember I told you last week I'm an extrovert and I really need your help uh, to keep things interesting because I like to interact. So you can interact with me at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or via Twitter. Uh, the handle is at outside the walls. Uh, and so hop online and tell me what are your favorite traditions? Uh, for Thanksgiving, we, um, in my family, we gather around and there's a lot of us. Uh, I only have two brothers myself, but each of us have a a passel of children. And so there's uh, 24, 25 of us, and we gather around three tables, cram in as as close as we can. And my mom has made it a point to pull out china, fine china. So she's gone to estate sales and whatever else to get china at a reduced cost. So if a, a small child breaks a piece, it won't be heartbreaking. Uh, but she wants them all to have that experience. And so there's all these f- fine china and s- real silver and uh, and then stainless because we run out of the other. And we're sitting around at this huge meal. And th- this is the day that you just overdo it. Uh, you know, my wife's favorite meal is is Christmas Eve, which really, in my opinion, isn't a meal. It's it's cheese and uh, sausage and crackers, and, and it's nice little finger food, and, and it's festive, and it's seasonal, uh, and I am going to let her keep that because it doesn't interfere with Thanksgiving, right? So the Thanksgiving, you've got the turkey, 
Uh, and we always have turkey, but they've made it, oh, any number of different ways that we've done the, the fried and the smoked and the baked and everything in between. Then there's the green bean casserole and the sweet peas and the uh, sweet potatoes, which are not mashed like I've experienced it elsewhere. No, they're, they're sliced very, very thinly, and there's this uh, orange glaze on top of them. And then, of course, homemade fresh cranberry sauce. And are you hungry yet? Am I making you hungry yet? Uh, you can't have this for breakfast. You need to go get something healthy. Uh, no. Uh, speaking of healthy, then there's the mashed potatoes. Uh, the mashed potatoes are what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. Uh, because there's probably a pound of butter per serving in these mashed potatoes. And and I may not be back after Thanksgiving because it's just, it's entirely possible that I'll have a heart attack from the amount of butter in these mashed potatoes. Uh, and if so, you'll have to go on without me because I'm not giving them up. Oh man. And of course, then you have the, the, the green beans wrapped in bacon because green beans are healthy. And uh, that's what the Thanksgiving meal is to me. And, and being around uh, my extended family, which is such a rare thing. They all live within like five miles of one another. And I'm, I'm the black sheep of the family who moved up to Oklahoma. So, um, it's that opportunity to sit down over a meal uh, and have nice things out in front of us and we can forget about anything else. We just focus on the fact that regardless of whether we agree about politics, regardless of whether we agree about all points, the finer points of theology, we're family. And so there we are and we sit around that table. So what, what is your Thanksgiving like? Go ahead and go on to Twitter and on Facebook. Twitter's at Outside the Walls. Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. And why don't you come uh, and tell me your favorite tradition, the thing that makes the holidays the holidays for you. So when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about contentment. You're listening to Timothy Putnam on Outside the Walls. St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. It's about 17 minutes past the hour. Here on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Well, this is the point in the show each week where we turn our attention to the scriptures. And today's readings out of the lectionary uh, are a memorial for St. Andrew Dunlock, priest, and his companions. They were all martyrs. And today's first reading comes from Revelation 14, where we read, I, John, looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven, like the sound of rushing water or a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. They were singing what seemed to be a new hymn before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn this hymn except the 144,000 who had been ransomed from the earth. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes." 
They have been ransomed as the first fruits of the human race for God and the Lamb. On their lips no deceit has been found. They are unblemished. Again, that's a reading from Revelation chapter 14. Today's psalm comes from Psalm 24. And we read, The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Again, that's a reading from Psalm 24. And lastly, we read today's gospel, coming from the the gospel of St. Luke. And we read, When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury. And he noticed a poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. That reading again comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Today the Church is asking us to focus on contentment. And I know it may not seem like that because we're looking at the lives of St. Andrew Dunlock and his 117 companions who were martyred. And yet this very much has to do with thanksgiving and with living with a spirit of contentment. St. Andrew Dunlock uh, was originally named uh, Dungan Tran, and he was born about 1795 in a poor family in North Vietnam. When he was 12, the family had to move to Hanoi, where his parents could find work. There he met a catechist and got food and shelter from him. He was educated uh, in the Christian faith for three years and was baptized with a Christian name Andrew. After learning Chinese and Latin, he also became a catechist and thereafter taught catechism in the country. He was chosen to study theology, and on March 15, 1823, he was ordained a priest himself. He was tireless in his preaching. He often fasted and lived a simple and moral life. He was a good example for the people, and many were baptized. In 1835, he was imprisoned under Emperor Ming Mang's persecutions. His freedom was purchased by donations from members of the congregation he served. And to avoid persecution, he changed his name to Locke, Andrew Locke, and moved to another prefecture to continue his work. But on November 10, 1839, he was arrested again, this time with another Vietnamese priest whom he was visiting so that he might go to confession. Once again, Andrew was liberated in exchange for money, but their freedom was brief. They were soon rearrested and taken to Hanoi, where both suffered torture, and finally both were beheaded December 21st, 1839. Now the companions that were martyred along with St. Andrew Dunlock uh, were martyred over a series of years from 1820 to 1862. There were 117 of them, and they died at different times with different groups, but they were all canonized together 
96 were Vietnamese, 11 were Spaniards, 10 were French. There were eight bishops, 50 priests, and 59 lay Catholics in the group. And they provide for us a picture of contentment and a path to thanksgiving. Now, I'm sure that thanksgiving and contentment are not the first things that you think of when you think of martyrdom. When we read every day in the news of new martyrs, contentment is not the first thing that comes to our mind. And yet they give us the best picture of contentment that we can possibly have. They also show us how that contentment comes about. And it comes about very naturally by watching what we put our eyes on. Now, uh, it's getting Thanksgiving, of course, we've already got the, the advertisements for Christmas. I mean, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The marketers understand that contentment starts with what we look at. But not only contentment, also uh, envy and covetousness start with what we fix our eyes on. This, this is why in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we are instructed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The author of Hebrews knows that what we gaze at, we desire. The psalm that we read in today's readings also alludes to this fact. It says, Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. What we look for, what we gaze on, we desire. As far back as the book of Genesis, we see this uh, with Abraham and Lot. We see that Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot settled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, in the very next story, we see that Lot is living in Sodom. So he had his, as his front porch view, the city of Sodom. And before long, he desired that which he gazed upon. But let's go back even a little bit further. We desire what we gaze on. In the book of Genesis as well, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. And the serpent comes to Eve and convinces her that she should take a look at the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says, when she looked on it and saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and was desirable to make one wise, then she took of it. She ate of it. She gave it to Adam, and he took of it and ate it, because first they gazed on it. This is why it's so important, the writer of Hebrews tells us, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians about contentment, and he says this, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. Here's the secret now. Verse 13 of chapter 4, he says, 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It would be so easy for contentment to be robbed from us by allowing our attentions and our gaze to rest on other things, things other than Christ. We could uh, be like a child and focus on the, the pretty commercials that rise up around Christmas. For kids, it's a, a cheap $20 toy or, or maybe a $80 toy. For adults, it gets a little bit more expensive. They're the commercials of the, the pre-owned or brand new automobile with the bow on top because that's the kind of Christmas presents that the media says adults should have. Uh, we could get distracted and discontented by all of the things that we do not have. But we can also get distracted by our anxieties. We can be robbed of contentment by those things that pop up unexpectedly, by uh, an unexpected health crisis or an unexpected financial crisis. The, the, the washing machine goes out or the, the car breaks down or you have uh, some other house catastrophe that requires your immediate attention and all of your reserve finances. Uh, and we could get distracted by those things. Just like Peter, when he was walking on the water towards Christ, it says he began to look at the wind and the waves. And when he did, he began to sink. And so he cried out to Christ and said, save me. And Christ reached out his hand and lifted him up. The storm was still raging. And yet he stood on top of the water. Uh, and so we can, like Paul, experience all kinds of things that would distract us from our contentment. He said, I, I've learned the secret of being content whether I have plenty or whether I am in lack. Whether it's the commercials for new toys that try to tempt my eye or whether it's the storm raging around me that tries to pull my attention off of the face of Christ. This is why the martyrs, like St. Andrew Dunlock, are such wonderful examples for us of contentment. Because when they were faced with incredible opposition, when no one would have counted it against them if they had run, they fixed their eyes on Christ. They weren't swayed by the, the wind or the waves, but they found their contentment fully in Christ, who gave them the strength to live for him and to die for him. They stand as shining examples of St. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, where he says, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Humanum Colloquium that's gone on in Vatican City this last week and spend a little bit more time thinking about contentment as Thanksgiving approaches. You're listening to Timothy Putnam on Outside the Walls on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam 
on St. Michael Catholic Radio 102.9 FM. Glad to have you with us today, this morning. We've been talking about Thanksgiving and about contentment. So in continuing that theme, we're going to spend a little bit of time in this segment with St. Cyril of Alexandria and his homily on Luke 12, 22 through 31. Now, as always, when we go back to the documents of the church, when we go back to the fathers and the doctors of the church and their writings, it can be a little tricky to keep up. It's not your traditional radio to go back and read a very old stuffy document. However, one of the things that is very important to me and one of the the reasons for this show is I feel that we often get caught up with the latest and greatest thing. The brand new author, the brand new book, the have you seen this new and improved? And yet, even as we are a church, even as we are a people who belong to Christ, who are called to the edges and called to the new, and Christ said, behold, I make all things new, even so we are a people who are grounded in the past. Uh, We have this faith that was handed down to us through the apostles. And we have this faith that doesn't change. It is secure and it's anchored. And sometimes the way to move forward is to look backward. It's to look back and see what are our foundations. And so I encourage you, I'm going to read this slowly, deliberately, and I'm going to try to update the language a little bit where it seems helpful, but it still may feel a little disjointed and that's okay. If we focus in on the words and get through the difficulty, you'll find that it's worth the effort. So here is St. Cyril of Alexandria, doctor of the church, and his sermon on Luke 12, 22. He starts, of course, by uh, giving us that scriptural passage. He said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat, or for your body, what you shall wear. For the life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither closet nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more are you valuable than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single inch to your stature? If you, then, not being able to do that which is the least... Why should you be anxious about anything else? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. But I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, and do not be anxious about anything. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, but your Father knows that you have need of them. But seek his kingdom, and all of these things shall be added unto you. That's Luke twelve twenty-two through 31. And St. Cyril of Alexandria continues in this sermon, saying, The law of Moses was ordained for the Israelites to guide them unto all which it was their duty to do, and to set clearly before them whatever was for their benefit. And they made this a matter of greatest joy, saying, 
Blessed are the children of Israel, for unto us are made known the things that please the Lord. But I affirm that we can even more fitly and appropriately use these words, for it was not a prophet, nor even an angel who spoke to us, but the Son in his own person, even he who is Lord of the holy angels and of the prophets. And this the wise Paul, the minister of his mysteries, clearly teaches us, writing, God, who in the manifold parts and manifold manners spoke in old times to the fathers by the prophets, he has spoken in these last days to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all, and by whom also he made the worlds. Blessed therefore are we, and that we are taught by himself his good and saving will, by which we are guided into all virtuous pursuits, that having so fulfilled a life worthy of emulation, such as benefits the elect, we may reign with him. Observe, therefore, how carefully and with what great skill he fashions the lives of the holy apostles unto spiritual excellence. But with them he benefits us also, for he wills that all mankind should be saved and should choose the wise and more excellent life. For this reason, he makes them abandon superfluous anxiety, and does not permit them to practice a careworn and urgent industry through the wish of gathering what exceeds their necessities. For in these matters, a superfluity adds nothing to our benefit. Be not anxious, therefore, he says, for your life, what you shall eat, nor for your body, or what you shall put on, for the life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. He did not simply say, be not anxious, but added, for your life. That is, do not expend any careful study on these things, but bestow your earnestness on things of far higher importance. For the life indeed is of more importance than food, and the body than raiment. Since therefore a risk is laid upon us that concerns both life and body, and pain and punishment are decreed against those who will not live uprightly, let all anxiety be laid aside respecting food and raiment. And besides, how is it not a base thing for those who are lovers of virtue and earnest followers of such virtues as are excellent and approved of God to be intoxicated with fine apparel and to run after expensive banquets? For there follow immediately upon these things a savage crowd also of other lusts, and the result is apostasy from God, for it is written, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And again, Know ye not that the love of the world is enmity with God? It is our duty, therefore, to keep our foot apart from all worldly desires, and rather to take delight in those things which please God. But perhaps you would reply to this, who then will give us the necessities of life? And to this we answer, The Lord is worthy to be trusted, and he clearly promises to you, and by little things gives you full assurance that he will be true also in that which is great. For consider, he says, the ravens that sow not nor reap, they have neither closet nor barn, and God feeds them. For just as when he was strengthening us unto spiritual fortitude, he taught us to despise even death itself by saying, Fear not those that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. 
and in the same way to make his providence plain unto you, used for his proof things utterly valueless, saying, Are not two sparrows sold for one half penny? And not one of them falls to the ground without your father knowing it. And the individual hairs of your head are all counted. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. So also here, from the birds and the flowers of the field, he produces in you a firm and unwavering faith. Nor does he permit us at all to doubt, but that most certainly he will grant us his mercy and stretch out his comforting hand to bestow upon us in all things a sufficiency. It is moreover a very wicked thing that while those who are placed under the yoke of bodily slavery depend on their masters as sufficient to supply them with food and clothing, we will not consent to put our trust in Almighty God when he promises us the necessities of life. And what benefit at all is there in living luxuriously? Or rather, will it not bring with it utter destruction? For quickly of a certainty there enter along with luxurious pleasures the infamies of sensuality and the assaults of base and contemptible lusts, things whose approach is difficult to combat. And the being clad too in splendid apparel is of no benefit whatsoever. For consider, he says, the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, nor do they spin. And I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. And this also is true, for both in lilies and other flowers that spring up in the fields, the luster of the colors possesses an admirable beauty, both by the diversity of hues and the variety of the arrangement, as they glitter in their natural purple or shine with the brilliancy of other colors. But all that is made by the art of man in imitation of them, whether by the painter's skill or in embroidery, altogether falls short of the reality. And even though it be successful as a work of art, it scarcely even approaches the truth. If, therefore, these representations by means of art are so inferior to the glory of the lily and the beautiful colors of other flowers, how is it not true that even Solomon, though so magnificent a king, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these? Therefore it is vain to toil for beautiful apparel. Let us seek, therefore, not such a food as is unnecessary and superfluous, but whosoever tends unto the salvation of the soul, not a raiment of great price, but how to deliver our body from the fire and from judgment. All this let us do, seeking his kingdom, even all that will aid us in becoming partakers of the kingdom of Christ, by whom and with whom to God the Father be praise and dominion with the Holy Ghost forever and ever. Those are some challenging words from the doctor of the church, St. Cyril of Alexandria, and it's difficult to appropriate them in our world today, but I encourage you to focus on those things which last and not on the things which are fleeting. When we come back, we're going to talk about the year of the family. We're going to talk about the papal visit to the World Meeting of Families and much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa and Broken Arrow. 
You know, I, I was thinking a little bit more about contentment during the break, and and uh, I don't know if you went shopping at the end of October. Uh, I went to go pick up a couple of things on Halloween Day, right, on All Hallows' Eve. And I walked into the store, and I went to the candy aisle, and it was Christmas candy. Already, it was Christmas candy October 31st. So if you were, you know, last minute trying to get candy for that day, and it wasn't late either. It was maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you put off buying your candy because you wanted it to be fresh until October 31st, you would have been stuck handing out Christmas candy. Now, this is interesting to me. And of course, we, we gripe about it. And it's, you know, there are people who uh, are all over the news decrying it. But let's look at this a little bit deeper. Contentment requires that we look on the things that we have, that we don't chase after uh, the things that are vain, things that w- won't satisfy. But our culture, being a consumer culture, is completely built on this idea of pursuing the next big thing. And Thanksgiving has largely gotten passed over by retailers and marketers because how do you sell a season where you're supposed to be thankful for the things that you already have? It's very difficult to do. Uh, And yet, for us, as we seek Christ, as we seek his kingdom— Focusing on those things that we already have, meditating on the blessings that we've already been given, cultivates in us a spirit of contentment. And I think that that's something that is admirable and something that as you go into this Thanksgiving season to uh, shut out the Christmas ads for just a little while and focus on those things that God has blessed you with. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk to you about the year of the family. And this is somewhat connected. It is a blessing that God has given us, the blessing of family. Uh, But the church in eastern Oklahoma, the Diocese of Tulsa, has decided to take a year, beginning in Advent, November 30th, and going all the way through Advent next year, and reflecting on and meditating on what it means to be family, what it means for us to be a Christian family in the world in which we live. Uh, and so there's going to be a lot of things going on throughout the year that I'm, I'm very excited about. Some things that are going to be uh, for us as families and some things that we're going to be able as Catholics to offer to our surrounding communities. Uh, and so you can find out more information about that uh, on the diocese website, dioceseoftulsa.org. More information is going to be coming up throughout the year. Uh, you'll likely hear about it at Mass. Uh, and so it's going to be a really a concerted effort. And there's a number of things going on with that, but one that is the most exciting is the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia. And we are going to be taking in the Diocese of Tulsa at least two buses to Philadelphia. So if you want to go and see the Pope, then we have got a trip for you. Now, um, you're going to have to suffer a little bit, right? Because we're going to take two buses and families are invited and you can bring your family and get on a bus and drive straight through to Philadelphia. Uh, but at the end of that trip, through all the, the suffering of driving and being cramped on a bus with other families, uh, which could be suffering or it could be great joy um, in the middle of the night in interstate traffic. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, but at the end of it, 
the Pope, Pope Francis, is coming to Philadelphia, and he's going to be uh, celebrating a day of festivities, uh, and then he's also, the next day on Sunday, going to be celebrating a Mass. And so we wanted to be a part of that. We've put together a trip, uh, and you can find out more information about that trip at dioceseoftulsa.org slash family life. So you'll find all the information, the deadlines, uh, everything that you need to do to be a part of that trip. You'll find that there. Uh, And I hope that you will consider that. Uh, It's going to be really quite exciting. Uh, They're expecting somewhere near 2 million people to show up in Philadelphia. And we don't know for sure how many will show up, uh, but they're going to start. We'll know the numbers soon enough as people begin signing up from all over the world and really all over the nation. This is the world meeting of families. And, and when it's been in other parts of the world, a few years ago it was in Madrid, and it's, it's traveled, and it's always drawn a pretty good crowd. Uh, and so I would love for you to go with me and be a part of that. Um, maybe we'll even have a chance to do a broadcast from Philadelphia. Now, wouldn't that be fun? So as we're doing these things in eastern Oklahoma, in the Diocese of Tulsa, focusing on family, I want you to know that we're not alone. Really, the whole church universal is focusing in, like laser clarity, laser focus on the family. So we had the the Synod of the Bishops uh, on the Extraordinary Synod dealing with pastoral issues with family life. Uh, But that's not the end. That was actually a, a precursory synod. Uh, that is preparing for a synod that's going to take place at the end of next year, also covering the family. And immediately following this last synod, Pope Francis called a colloquium, uh, called Humanum. It's an international interreligious colloquium on the complementarity of men and women. And that's been going on all this week. And they have some fabulous speakers and some fabulous videos that they have produced that you can find at www.humanum.it. That's H-U-M-A-N-U-M dot I-T. And I encourage you to go and watch the videos. There's lots of videos of speakers, but they've got six videos, topical videos that are 15 minutes approximately each that cover specific topics, beautifully produced. And I would love for you to go watch those and then come interact. Tell me what you think about them. You can uh, tell me at on Twitter at, at Outside the Walls, or you can tell me on Facebook at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Uh, But I'd love to hear your take on those videos. And sadly, that's all the time we have for today. So uh, take a look at those videos. Talk to me on Twitter and on Facebook. And let's focus this week on being content. We'll see you next Monday morning on Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM.